Hello and welcome back to the Quacked Out Podcast. I'm Charlie Colstead, joined by Reed Tingley. First week of classes uh, starting at Oregon, but how are you doing, Reed? Uh, I'm doing well. I'm first week of classes in person back from Ida over here. So um, nice, nice. Yeah, going through a similar thing, I guess. But yeah, it's going well. Nice, good to hear. Um, Ducks have a pretty interesting game coming up this week. I think it's safe to say it's our second toughest game of the year so far coming up. Well, at uh, least probably probably not yeah. true. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> third, third though. It's easily third. They got a common opponent with Fresno, so I mean, it's at least the the most important in two weeks, three weeks. Yeah. So yeah. that's kind of nice. Um, we'll get into the Stanford preview in a little bit. Before that, though, Reed, do you have any more kind of general thoughts on the Arizona game? Um, you know, I, I think we handled it pretty well overall. Um, I think ultimately for me, I feel like both versus Stony Brook uh, and then even more so versus Arizona, the Ducks just didn't, didn't play their best game. A phrase that I kind of think is fitting that people have used on Twitter is playing with their food. Uh, <laughs> I think, I think that's pretty accurate. The ducks let those teams um, stay somewhat competitive more than, more than was necessary, particularly in the Arizona game. And I think that's a worrying trend, but ultimately I think this game for Stanford will tell us a lot about uh, whether the ducks are ready to come to play against a game where they actually could lose potentially if they don't play their best. Um, mm-hmm. What about you? Yeah, I agree. I mean, I'm feeling a little more optimistic about the game than I think I was right d- directly afterwards. Right. Um, mm-hmm. People like you can analyze the box score and say that this was a closer game and everything, but at the end of the day, I mean, all three of the, I mean, Okay. What I'm trying to say about these interceptions is that not all of them are just complete, like throw away terrible passes. Like the first one was, I think you can chalk the first one up to a little bit of luck. I mean, it's yeah. pretty rare that you get an, a pass dropped right in your bucket like that. Um, but overall, yeah, I was, I was pretty impressed with the performance uh, going through the highlights that I rewatched. Um I thought our run defense looked pretty good um, despite kind of, well, I maybe not pretty good, but better than uh, maybe I had thought previously. Um, And yeah, man, I I was just, it's over with and we don't really need to think about it. Um, The rest of the year. Go ahead. Well, one other thing I want to say is just a pet peeve is while, while people are still listening, if you want to like be really serious about like reanalyzing Oregon ga- games, go like read Hifliday's articles or watch QB 11 stream. Mm-hmm. But like people who just pull out, like I saw this one, uh, Kripia posted this clip about where, where Anthony Brown missed a pitch read. Yeah. Uh, everyone is just quote tweeting it and saying, oh, that's a mystery, that's a mystery. And it is a mystery, yes. But we make when we do that, we make one bad decision, 
look like it happened a hundred times. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so just, if you really want to understand, you know, I agree. Anthony Brown obviously has some limitations. Um, but if you want to understand the full picture of who he is as a quarterback, go rewatch the game with a couple people hit the day in QB 11, who we are lucky to have in the fan base who know a ton about football and can actually show you like, okay, these are the times he read it correctly. These are the times he read it wrong. Um, but if you just pull one snippet out, you can find a good play and a bad play from everyone. So, yeah, of course. I mean, and that's, that's things. not to, I, I know you're not throwing shade at Krapia there. Obviously he right. is another guy who knows what he's talking about, but right. again, like people are just using his, I, he didn't throw that out there to, you know, say that that's indicative of Brown's performance overall. I, I hope, I mean, it's just, you need to get the full picture of what's going on. And when you focus on just a few reps, obviously that's not going to be very helpful for you. If you want to truly understand what's like more so the, the full picture. So I totally agree. Those are great resources. Um, yeah. That's all I have to say. I think QB 11, you said QB 11 stream is coming up tonight. Uh, tomorrow night, I think Wednesday night, Wednesday night. Okay. Yeah. So yeah, hopefully be able to catch that. Um, he's got plenty of experience in the game as well. So always good to see that, but for now you're stuck with us. Um, and what <laughs> we have to say about these respective teams. Um, do you want to dive into Stanford a little bit? Uh, yeah, yeah. I'm down to dive into Stanford. Let's do it. All right. So the Stanford Cardinal predicted by many to be maybe one of the worst, if not flat out, like the worst PAC 12 North team this year. Um, they caught a lot of preseason hate and for good reason. I mean, they didn't show us a lot last year that, that would tell us that they would be very good. Um, the problem is this is Stanford. And even when they don't seem like they're going to be very good, they can still surprise some people. USC yep. has learned this lesson many times and still had to learn it again, the hard way this season. Um, so real quick, let's just kind of run through Stanford's results so far this season. Um, Maybe we can add some context to some of these games if, if you want to. Yeah. Uh, week one opened up against Kansas State. This one was in Jerry World, I believe. It was in AT&T Stadium, so a neutral site game. Um, they lost 24 to 27, got crushed, actually. Like, this was not a close game. Um, I think a lot of people in the Pac-12 footprint just kind of disregarded, like, didn't really pay attention to this. Um, it was not as as I said, it's not, it was not as close as the scoreline indicated, 24 to 27. Kansas State ran the ball all over them. It was ugly. Um, mm-hmm. it, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's really as simple as that. Like, Kansas State has looked like a pretty good team this year, although they did just lose to TCU. But overall, I mean, that's, that's pretty brutal. That's not something you really want to see. Um, Stanford, it's also worth mentioning, like, this is the game in which Stanford started Tanner McKee, uh, if I remember correctly. And then even though, or maybe is it the other way around? Yeah, no, they yeah, started the other West. Way around. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, they start, yeah. They started Jack West, who's the same guy we played against last year, we being the Ducks, um, in our season opener. Seems seems like so long ago, even though it was closer than it usually would be. Um he was terrible, Jack West being. He, he was god-awful. Uh, Stanford obviously couldn't get anything going all game um, until they had McKee in there, and even then they struggled. But 
McKee's been their starter since then. Um, as I led into USC got smacked by Stanford in the very next game, which was definitely an eye opener for a lot of people. Um, this one was in the Coliseum and Stanford just, I mean, I want to say it was like not close at halftime. Right. Um, it it seemed like it was over pretty early in that one. Um, (laughs) obviously this is what fired Clay Helton. I mean, this is what, this is really Stanford's only good win this season. Like, yeah, they, they had a similar score line against Vanderbilt, but that's Vanderbilt, even though it's a road game, it's still Vanderbilt. Um, and I, th- and I think these two games kind of, when you talk about the styles of Kansas state and USC kind of highlight one of Stanford's weaknesses, which is their run defense. Um, especially they, they played a little bit better versus UCLA, but, um, you know, I think that's probably goes into why they had success against USC because, of course, USC is is trying to run an air raid offense uh, and hasn't really recruited the trenches very well, especially mm-hmm. on the offensive side. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, the <laughs> Stanford is, again, we kind of got into this earlier, but they're always a very funny team in the Pac-12. Uh, obviously, a lot of Oregon fans remember when – they were pretty like pretty close, if not on Oregon's level for a couple of years. I think it was seven years straight where the winner of the Oregon Stanford game ended up winning the PAC 12, which is kind of insane. If you think about it, um, considering both teams roster relative roster limitations, I guess you would say in terms of recruiting, uh, we know chip didn't right, like to do that a whole that lot. Time. Yeah. Yeah. Right. And especially like with Stanford, um, even in the Harbaugh era, like, yeah, they had Andrew Luck, they had Christian McCaffrey, uh, Bryce Love was really good. But, I mean, their their MO historically has been in the trenches. Um, that's how Oregon fans remember us losing to them, unfortunately, uh, in a couple really big games back in the 2010s. Um, mm-hmm. They produced a whole bunch of offensive linemen, uh, even if, you know, they maybe weren't as uh, built up, like, say on the back end or um, in their wide receiver room. Although they have produced a couple good wide receivers come to think of it, but they're just a tricky team, man. They're always hanging around and they always end up beating somebody good once a year. Uh, I don't know if we can classify USC as good, but hopefully we can get that, uh, that surprise win out of the way for Stanford. Yeah. I think, I think like you said, I mean, there is just, something about the Stanford program uh, with David Shaw in the lead there kind of that they just have some magic in them where they always seem to, you know, come out one game well coached and play hard and just catch a team who is off for whatever reason. Um, And, you know, that's the big worry here. I think on paper, the ducks have a, you know, have an advantage here obviously um in a lot of areas but i think there is just something weird about you know the kind of flat performances we've seen from oregon uh at least that's how a lot of people have characterized them the past two weeks now going in against a team that you know is gonna is gonna play hard at least um but we'll see uh i you know that the last week i brought up the no trucks 
stops uh, Pac-12 podcasts. They have this thing called the Bad Vibes Game of the Week, and they awarded that to, to Stanford, Oregon this week. Mm, not great. Not great. And I can't say they're – I can't say I don't see why they did that Um, Mm -hmm. just in terms of vibes. You know, that's, (laughs) that's why it's called the bad vibes game is because it doesn't really have anything to do with the actual analysis of the two teams so much as it is just about the vibes of the program. And we know that that kind of happens a lot in Pac-12 play. Um, But, you know, diving into the matchup more specifically, I think Stanford starts here. It starts with McKee at quarterback. Um, that's how their offense is going to, you know, have success. It's going to be him making big-time plays under pressure like he's done uh, when they've been effective on offense. Mm-hmm. Um, he's a former top 50 recruit out of high school. This is like a legit good quarterback, a really good quarterback. Um, and interestingly, they they don't really have – much of a run game this year to speak of uh the offensive line has been straight up bad they actually are out one of their best offensive linemen this week as well this guy Branson Bragg um Mm. who's the former high four-star recruit and um I think it has to do with COVID apparently some COVID rumblings are going around the Stanford program as well uh, because he had a he's had a one week out and will return next week so usually people speculate that's what that means um, yeah it's just like a 14 day yeah yeah exactly um so anyway so bad offensive line for stanford poor running backs three of which are out well their running backs are fine but three of them one of them's out and then two of them jones and filkins are still questionable which leaves it to this guy, Nathaniel Pete, who took every snap for them last week. And he's perfectly fine, but not anything special. Um, So Oregon, you know, should be good with their rush defense. I think that there's an opportunity to really shut this game down if a guy like Kayvon Thibodeau is 100%. Swinson is going to be out for this game. That's a blow. Um, But Thibodeau can take this game over. Um, if he turns those pressures that McKee has been facing into sacks and knockdowns. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's a big, that's a big area of opportunity for the ducks. If they don't do that, it's going to be a lot of jump balls uh, to, you know, big, big kind of basketball player type receivers for Stanford. We know the script there. Uh, and that's going to mean a lot of our corners being relied on to, make plays maybe a guy like Triquez Bridges who's a bit longer um Dante Manning also pretty long and athletic and we all know Mikhail right um so I think those that that's what's gonna it's gonna look like largely on offense uh for Stanford um Mm -hmm. they've been really interestingly uh one area that's kind of a weird area of conflict in this game I think is that Stanford uh has been super big play dependent on offense uh by throwing those bombs or, or at least chunk plays to those bigger wide receivers. Um, and so they've been, I think it's, uh, they've been a hundred, they've been 100th in red zone opportunities because they haven't been able to sustain drives. 
mm-hmm. but they've been seventh in touchdown conversion rates within the red zone. And that's really interesting because everyone knows the Oregon offense has given up a yard, a lot of yardage to opponents, but they've really tried to lock down once they get in the red zone. So it's kind of weakness on weakness and strength on strength there uh, in a weird way in terms of the red zone versus yardage offense uh, for Stanford. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, we'll obviously we'll see what Stanford has to offer at offensive line. I think that was kind of a, that was a very interesting spot uh, looking back at Arizona because I mean, we would probably say the same. I mean, I didn't, I'm going to be honest. I didn't do much research on Arizona uh, because I watched the Northern Arizona game. And I think that was enough for me to say that we were, had a significant advantage at every position. Um, Mm -hmm. But I think a lot of people, and this is something we had already talked about uh, in our recap, were disappointed with the play of the front seven against Arizona. So I think that's definitely mm, an area of concern sounds bad, uh, but I think it is a legitimate area of concern. Yeah. Um, again, as you mentioned, the Stanford O-line has shown us very little um, to tell us that they should be good, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens there. <laughs> yeah, I, I think for the Ducks, you know, in terms of that front seven, it's, it's largely a personnel issue right now. I mean, the edge depth is really thin for Oregon with Kayvon and Swenson out. Um, and Mace and Ajax have even been a little banged up. Um, and then obviously inside linebacker aside from Sewell has been a bit tough. Um, one thing to note about Stanford's offensive line that I found just perusing some Stanford message boards, surprisingly those exist. Uh, they were tough to come by, but <laughs> I found them was they actually don't have any fourth or fifth year guys on this year's offensive line. Hmm. Um, and that's been part of what's made them good. I mean, they've recruited offensive line well uh, at times, uh, and then they had a little lull that is kind of catching up with them right now. Um, and but but their offensive lines have been good both because of talent, but also largely because of experience in that system. And now they don't have a fourth or fifth year guy, which is especially you know important on a position like offensive line where you don't see a lot of first or second year guys becoming competent starters unless they're very special. Um, Mm -hmm. So, you know, they're dealing with a handful of of third year guys and plugging in some younger guys as well. Um, And on top of that, as I mentioned earlier, uh, Branson Bragg, their maybe their best offensive lineman is going to be out this game as well. So that offensive line isn't going to be very good, but the issue is, if Oregon can't generate an effective pass rush, if Kayvon can't go or can't go hundred percent, it's going to end up with a bunch of jump balls. And that becomes a scary proposition quickly because you're kind of rolling the dice a bit. It feels like. So it sounds like we might see something actually uh, our defense might see something similar to what we're kind of used to at this point. Um, That being just, Lots of underneath throws. I mean, you mentioned maybe they go for some jump balls, but I mean, if their strength is McKee, you know, then I would expect a lot of quick throws like Arizona did, like Fresno State did, like even Ohio State did um, in those underneath routes and then try to move forward from there. So I, again, I'm really interested to see if we can generate any pressure 
Um, when if yeah. we do force them into third down situations, that that's definitely an area to watch. And then again, as as we've been leading up to, like we should be dominating the defensive run game. There's no reason that we uh, shouldn't be able to hold these guys under 100 yards even uh, on the ground. So far this mm-hmm. year, their their rushing totals. I mean, shit, dude. They rushed 22 times for 39 yards against Arizona, or against uh, Kansas State. Sorry. Um, that has nothing to do with the quarterback, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, against SC and Vandy, they they picked it up a little bit, one forty one and two hundred four respectively. Um, but it took them thirty rushes to get to one hundred forty one yards. And against UCLA, they were held to sixty seven yards on again twenty two attempts. So this should be the area where we dominate on defense. Um, hoping. Yeah. I mean, I assume Sewell, Sewell is 100%. Obviously, he picked up a knock last game, but it doesn't seem to be anything serious uh, since he, you know, continued playing in the game later on. Um, right. Again, I don't think it's safe to assume KT's at 100% yet. Uh, I actually have a class with him, and he was not in a boot or anything, obviously. <laughs> so, you know, got some insider scoop there, but uh, nice. <laughs> not really. Nice. Um, but yeah, man, I mean, the loss of Swinson is something, but I mean, that's not a guy we expected to really contribute much this year anyways. Um, coming in. At least so. not going. Yeah, at least not coming into it. We thought we'd we yeah. thought we'd be okay without him. So it seems like even though he surged early and was really effective, especially in that Ohio State game, you – this team should be all right without him, especially if Thibodeau's out there. And and at least at 80% or something, I mean, he'll be good. Um, mm-hmm. yeah. I think, yeah. But, you know, this Stanford team is weird. It was – I don't know if I completely agree with this, but I was listening to, to Hith over on the Quack 12 podcast a little bit before we were recording. Mm-hmm. And he, you know, he even stated kind of this discrepancy between – everything else Stanford does and their ability to pass it to big receivers uh, even more so than I did. Like he, he literally said, and I wrote this down because I was, I was pretty surprised by it. He said, Arizona is better than Stanford at a couple quadrants of football. Hmm. Um, and Arizona isn't very good at, yeah. at much <laughs> of anything. Quadru- yeah. <laughs> um, so I think this Stanford team has some real weaknesses again, you know, shifting to the offensive side of the ball for Oregon, can they establish the run? I think those are the, if Oregon gets a pass rush one and then they can establish the run, which they probably should be able to do, mm-hmm. they can make this game not very close at all. And they can do it in a way that is pretty low variance. Um, Oregon likes, you know, Oregon likes to run the ball, as we all know, on first and second down. Um, And if they start to turn those plays into, you know, seven, eight yard plays or more, the game becomes really easy to move the ball down the field. Mm -hmm. Um, So I think analyzing this game, I start to feel better about it. Uh, than I kind of did uh, maybe while I was watching the Arizona game and seeing Stanford at the same time put up a competitive fight against UCLA. Uh, but Stanford is is tough to solve, like you said. Um, and that result against UCLA is still confusing because that game looked like it was played 
not maybe evenly, but it was a competitive game for sure. And we think UCLA is a pretty solid team, maybe a, a top 25 team, uh, 20 to 25 range or so, uh, maybe even a little higher. Um, and so to see Stanford play super competitively with them worries me a little bit about how good they could be, especially when you know every team in this conference and Stanford is no exception is going to play their best game against the ducks are going to be, you know, most locked in to play the Mm -hmm. ducks probably. Mm -hmm. I I think it's safe to say we saw that from Arizona last week. Certainly. Um, Yeah. Dude, I'm, I'm looking through the advanced box score, the Stanford UCLA game. Am I missing something? It says UCLA's average start was 32 yards away from the end zone. That can't be right. Meaning they had a short field, like, an average of a short field every possession. That's got to be like backwards or something, right? Uh, I would assume so, but I'm not sure. That's kind of crazy. Yeah. Um, either way, I mean, if, if, if it is true and UCLA was like just cashing in on like nearly every drive that, I mean, that makes a lot more sense, but I mean, 35 points would be, it would almost be impressive to hold the team to 35 points if that was their average starting field position, but I'll confirm or deny that uh, later on in the pod. Anyways. Yeah. um, Another thing too, that's a factor here uh, is Stanford has some potential defensive injuries. Uh, Bonner and Manley, who are two starting corners, Bonner's out and Manley's doubtful. And then Williams, a safety is likely. Mm. And then uh, their starting linebacker, Maison, is questionable as well. Wow. Um, so they're a little banged up. Uh, I think <laughs> that <laughs> that is safe to say. And I think, you know, obviously I'm sure a lot of people listening to this podcast probably don't religiously check the the Stanford injury situation. I didn't really know this before I was doing prep for this podcast as well. But those are you know, big factors. And if a lot of these guys can't go, especially if they're one deep at running back and that starting linebacker can't go and those DBs are out as expected, you know, they don't have Oregon's depth, that's for sure. Um, And so all that is interesting, but for me, the elephant in the room is the spread on this game. What is it? Eight points right now? I was going to ask you because I have not looked at a single Pac-12 spread spread yet this week. Yeah, I'm pretty sure the spread on this game is eight. I'll double check that right now. That seems very low. Yeah, that's that's what I'm about this one. Uh, yeah, spread is eight. Over under is uh, 58. So you look at that, that would be 25-33. Um, I mean, I'm seeing eight and a half, but even so that's, yeah. Yeah. That's pretty spooky. I don't know. Again, for, for people who aren't that familiar with point spreads, like for reference, uh, Ohio States was 14 and climbing by the time we (laughs) played against them. Um, And we all know how that Mm -hmm. ended. So this is certainly a losable game uh, for this team. And I feel confident in saying that, especially because we haven't seen like, other than that Ohio State game, we still haven't seen, again, like that overly dominant performance from Oregon yet. Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I really think our 
her defense has been more banged up than we realize. Uh, some of the guys that we've been playing, particularly on the edge, just aren't really ready to play probably. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I do, I do think that we are struggling here to get back healthy a bit. And luckily we have a bye week next week. But this uh, uh, that eight-point spread is scary, man, um, especially because, you know, I mean, you know, with how the books operate, they probably – I would assume that a lot of the public money is coming in on Oregon. Oh, definitely. Uh, yeah. I, I don't really know. But, you know, I'd assume a lot of the public money is coming in on Oregon. And you would have thought that line would move more maybe. It's just it's just a spot where Oregon really needs to come out and and be focused for this game uh, mm-hmm. and not let it turn into that bad vibe Stanford upset game. <laughs> um, and Oregon's played well in big games, but I think the question is, is this a big game for the Oregon program? For all that we talk about process, I think you know they're we have been a team who plays up to some opponents and down to others. It feels like, um, and I just don't don't want this to be too close of a game. The line being a one possession game um, or right around there is yeah. It's it's that just doesn't sound like a fun way to spend my Saturday afternoon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see. I mean. <sighs> God, it, it almost pains me to say this, but I'm actually okay with, like, a close win here um, for the Ducks. Not just because I saw that point spread and now I'm like, oh, my God, you know, it's, it's okay if we just get, a, get out of here with a win. But it's more so, like, we've had one close game this year, um, mm-hmm. and it well, was against Ohio State. And even then – The we, Fresno game was pretty close too, but, yeah. That's true. That's true, I guess. But even so, I mean, it still felt like we were always going to win that game. Um, and with Ohio state, we similar, like we sort of controlled the game the entire time. So I'm very curious to see how this team responds if they do go down. Um, which I I think we trailed at one point against Fresno, but again, that's, that's kind of a weird sample to take from it. Um, I'm, I'm very interested to see if this team buckles under any sort of pressure. The good news is, um, we know the crowd won't be a factor or, if at all, it will be in favor of the Ducks because this is how it always goes against Stanford, right? I mean, it's yeah, a nice empty stadium. Um, even so, yeah, I'm, I am, a, I am pretty nervous about this game more so than uh, I was at the beginning of the season for sure. Um, and again, they were tied in the fourth quarter with UCLA last week, and yeah, I know UCLA lost to Fresno and like their playoff hopes are diminished or whatever, if they even had them in the first place, but this is a big game, man. Um, for the program at the very least, or for not, maybe not for the program, but for the team, if we can make that distinction. Um, yeah. again, the program is sort of, I mean, the program is Oregon. The team is 2021 Oregon. Um, right. It's all, I was about to say it's always a big game against Stanford. In in the past, it's always been a big game against Stanford. It's okay (laughs) to say that's not the case in this particular instance, but 
Overall, man, yeah, I'm just looking for some consistency, something to reassure me that we're the number three team in the country. That's what I want to see. Um, and beating Stanford by nine and just covering will not be enough to do that. Uh, I would say that's, you know, against Stony Brook and Arizona, like I, I'm okay with that being my um, threshold for, you know, whether or not we played well enough up to my standards. But for this game, I mean – I said I was okay with a short with a with a close loss. That doesn't mean I'm completely satisfied and convinced that we are a playoff team if we yeah. come out of here with a close loss. Close close win you win, mean? sorry. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> oh like a, I'm <laughs> I'm definitely not satisfied with a close loss. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but yeah, I think I think that's interesting what you said about the difference between the the team and the program and, and how this game factors into both. I think obviously this game isn't going to be, um, it's not going to be a moment that, you know, probably goes up on the big board at Autzen ever or anything, you know, it's oh, not yeah. going to be part of the coming home sequence. Um, like <laughs> the win at Ohio state might be someday. That's a great right? way to put it. <laughs> um, but at the same time, I think that it's not about this game, but this season has a chance to be really big for the program. And I think that, you know, we talk about, we've said, you know, this team probably has a loss in conference play more times than not. Um, mm -hmm. But it's an opportunity to make a playoff here. Even if, even if, you know, it's, it's not, a cakewalk to get there, or even if, you know, it's not easy or, or maybe more times than not. Um, it's still, you don't get many times where you can, you know, have a resume win like Ohio state early and you potentially get to a bye week with seven games left undefeated. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is the game to get to that bye week. Um, so in that sense, it's a big, it's a big step towards making it through the rest of the conference slate. And by making it through the conference slate, you potentially get to a playoff. And that is an accomplishment that is absolutely huge for this program. That's the thing that I think can unlock the recruiting potential of, of Cristobal and the staff more than anything else. I think they've kind of maxed out what they can do with um, with, you know, conference titles and, and Rose Bowls and Fiesta Bowls and stuff like that, which it, that's not taking on us great classes that are in the five to 10 range. Right. Mm -hmm. But once you make it to a playoff, once you beat Ohio state in the horseshoe, and then you make it to a playoff, you get into another tier where you actually can go into a room against Georgia uh, who we play to start next year and could meet in the playoff or against Ohio State, who we beat, or LSU or whoever it is, and, and say, we actually play the same level of football that this team does. And mm -hmm. you actually can make it to a playoff in the Pac-12 at Oregon. Um, and those are things that we haven't had unlocked as, you know, recruiting pitches uh, on the trail yet. And so this season is a chance to do that. And who knows when the ducks will be in this place again, because again, we play Georgia to start next season. 
Mm-hmm. That's going to be a tough game. It's not impossible that we win it, but we can't take for granted getting to this point in the season, even in week four undefeated. It's still a big opportunity to make it another week, make it through the bye week. And then you have Cal and then you have a big game at UCLA and you keep rolling through it. Um, but if you, it would be hugely deflating to lose this week. Oh, definitely. Yeah. I mean, a loss is disappointing no matter how you slice it. Um, again, I, I think I want to clarify some distinctions and maybe you feel the same way as I do about this, mm-hmm. but uh, I want to make a distinction between what I expect for this team um, mm-hmm. in terms of like raw output and what I obviously hope and want for this team. Um, Cause it's easy to lose those two things in the shuffle a lot of times, especially on a literal fan podcast. But um, as we've said many times before, we expect this team to drop a game somewhere, right. In PAC 12 play. Yeah. Um, that's just, I, mean, I don't think people realize the Vegas win total for this team going into the year was nine and three. Yeah. Straight, like, and obviously it would be 10 if they knew we were beating Ohio state. I think it's right. Right. Uh, maybe 10 and a half, which even then, you know, you're still expecting a loss somewhere in there. Um, yeah, expecting a loss or maybe two is, is what is what it probably is, is what it, it probably is a one loss leaning to right now in terms of just raw expectations. And there, mm-hmm. there's a, there, that's, there's a, you know, maybe 10, 20, probably 20% uh, piece of the pie in my mind where Oregon does go undefeated. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. So, I mean, obviously like I want Oregon to win the, um, excuse me. I want Oregon to win a national championship. Of course I do. Uh, right. But at this rate, we have to be honest with ourselves and say that um, like Ohio state has probably the same like opportunity to do that this year as we do. Uh, I don't want to get into a discussion about that. That's just literally what the numbers say and what the money says. Um, We have the same consensus odds as them right now, like the exact same. So don't, you know, it's okay if we, again, this is where the language gets mixed up. I say it's okay if we drop one game between now and the end of the season. Do I really mean it though? Like, we should be winning all of these games individually. Uh, I know that's not how, you know, things work necessarily. Like the, the uh, two seasons ago against Arizona state is the perfect example for this sort of thing. Um, Yeah. The classic games aren't played on paper. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So, I mean, this could be like a, I want to say a career defining win for David Shaw, if he can pull it off. Mm. Um, And just remember that just because we focus on these super thin margins between like, oh, like, you know, is um, Braden Swinson healthy or not? Is like, can Jake Shipley hold the edge better than he did against Arizona? Like, oh, Stanford's got their best offensive lineman out. Like, these little things seem like they make a world of difference. Um, But once you get on the field, you never know what the – what the end of the narr- what the narrative is going to be post game, um, right. so yeah, just keep that in mind, I guess. There's this is, one this other is a really scary podcast. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
there there's one other thing i want to say too though maybe this goes well i don't know exactly what tone this is but i will say and this applies to us included but it applies to a bunch of national people a bunch of ducks fans on twitter here's what you can't do in this conversation about expectations and goals and dream scenarios and all of that if we all are sitting there and we're saying Oregon probably loses a game uh, in Pac-12 play. And we have national guys like Bud Elliott say, I think Oregon drops one or two games. Um, and that's a fair opinion to have. Again, that we just said that that's a, that's a totally likely scenario. But what we, we can't do and what we need to hold everyone else accountable to as, as much as we have, which we don't have that much influence, but we can try <laughs> is if Oregon does actually go undefeated through the Pac-12, they get their flowers for that. You know, mm-hmm. oh, they get their roses. Uh, literally, <laughs> um, yeah. That's a good literally. one. Literally. <laughs> um, because regardless of what you say about, oh, the, every game should be a win on paper, ultimately, if you didn't expect it going going into it, then you have to – think of this team better once they do do it and you have to praise them for it if they do go through the Pac-12 undefeated because it actually is an impressive thing to do to win 12 or 13 games in a row without losing in college football period this year has proven that even if you're supposed to win every game individually Mm -hmm. it is a very impressive thing to do that you can't just go back at the end of that again, if it does happen and we're getting ahead of ourselves, but if it does happen, you can't go back at the end and say, well, they should have won those games. Yeah. Anyways, yeah. that's not how it works. You know, it, it will be a really impressive feat if it does happen. But again, because of the opportunity, it's important that they put out their best effort every week. Cause you don't know when you get back here and you don't know when you have this opportunity to make a playoff again. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And I mean, it's easy. We talk about this all the time. It's very easy to get caught up um, in the mindset of, of like the Oklahoma standards, right? Uh, where it's just not good enough, even though they'll win their conference every year, go to the playoff every year. I know it's not every year, but basically every year. Uh, and then lose in, in the first round of the playoff. And it's like, oh, it's not good enough. I mean, <laughs> I guess it's not good enough. We are not even on that level yet right? We're not allowed to be mad if Oregon loses in the playoff this season. We're not allowed to, I'm I'm not allowing that, right? It's a successful season if we make the playoff period, the end. Um, Yeah. Yeah. Relating it back to Stanford, where would you rank this in terms of like losable games for the rest of the season? I, I still maybe think it's at like three behind UCLA and one of UW or Utah. I mean, I know that Stanford yeah. is probably a better team than both of those teams, but I think the environment still might play a factor, especially in Utah, um, in both of those games. So I'm curious to see what you think about that. Let me pull up the schedule really quick. Um, the first one, obviously, is UCLA. I think we all know that's the hardest one. I think that the next one for me is Oregon State. Mm. Um I'm, it's I'm home, down with that, actually. It's a home game. I do think if Oregon gets to 11-0, and 0, you know, they're, it, I just – it would be hard to see them losing that game. Um, but I think Oregon State's really good. Uh, 
compared to a lot of these teams. I think Oregon State might be a top 25 team. Whoa, whoa. I really do. Dude, I'm so here for for this take. I love it. I mean, they straight up dominated USC. And uh, even that even that Purdue game, um, they didn't come out and start Nolan, who's their best quarterback. Mm-hmm. And that was – Nolan's been damn good. I mean, Nolan might be the best quarterback in the conference right now. That um, certainly has a case to be. Yeah. Probably, probably him or McKee, honestly. Um, so, either way, I think – I think it's three right now for me. I think we have to see what Washington looks like. Utah honestly just doesn't look that good. Washington State, Utah, and Colorado, and even Cal, I'm not that worried about. Um, But that's assuming that Oregon plays, you know, like halfway decent in those games, which sometimes they have come out versus teams and, you know, just not played well at all yeah yeah um played down to their level but I think you know Washington and Utah I'm never I'm crossing them off in pencil right now you know I I, Mm. just because I think well Washington has the talent um and you know it's a rival it's a rivalry yeah on paper they have the talent even though they all tweet about how while they develop somehow (laughs) jesus um but and then utah you know i don't know the whole winningham thing is is so played out from the media that love him but i kind of get sucked into the same thing where i believe that he usually will get it right by the end of the year um Mm -hmm. to some extent but either way i think i think this is three for me behind ucla and oregon state and you could honestly make a case that Oregon State is above UCLA in terms of difficulty. I don't think I would go there, but hmm. I could listen to someone make that case. I, I, I really think Oregon State's a good team. Like, no joke. Yeah, they're definitely looking like a, uh, a bowl team this year, which was kind of their high-end expectation. Um, wow. What? Sorry. No, go ahead. The Oregon State Washington uh, line move. I know. I know. <laughs> Did you <laughs> we'll see it on that. the dock? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, again, obviously lost to Purdue. Like you said, they seem to have figured things out since then, especially by starting Nolan. Um, wins over Hawaii and Idaho were kind of like meh, but this was a statement win against USC for them. That That's huge. Uh, possibly program. That, that's a signature win actually is what I'm going to say uh, for Jonathan Smith. So, you know, mm-hmm. good for the beeps. Um, the, that rivalry is always more fun with a good Oregon state and a good Oregon at the same time. So. Oh yeah. I would, I would go so far to say, and I know some ducks fans might call me out, but I think I root for Oregon state to be good more than almost anyone else. Same, um, honestly, especially in recent years when they were just, absolutely terrible yeah i mean obviously i'm not going to root for him against oregon or anything but right right i remember growing up like my dad would tell me like oh yeah like i'll root for the beavers when they're not playing the ducks and i'm like why why would you do that like that's so terrible you know and you know now i i kind of get it like you need you need the help from that sort of thing but um, yeah i just have a lot of fond memories of that game growing up being competitive 
And, you know, I, I know Beavers fans who I don't hate, obviously. And, you know, it, it's, it's totally different from Washington where I, I literally would be so happy if they went 0 and 12 every single year. Like, Same. yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I replace OSU, replace Washington's success with OSU. I'm, I'm cool with that. Yeah. Um, Okay, speaking of that, we kind of got really off track from Stanford. Uh, you got anything more to say about this matchup before we jump into the Pac-12 slate? Uh, let me look real quick. Um, I No, I think we hit it all, you know. I, yeah, I think we hit it all. Okay, cool. Um, yeah, my, my last things I'll say, obviously looking for improved quarterback play. What happened last week just can't happen again. Um that that's sort of an obvious one. Uh, again, yeah. sh- this is a game we should dominate in the trenches on offense and hopefully on defense. Yeah, I will. I actually, I want to take this opportunity to address the kind of quarterback stuff a little bit too. Mm-hmm. Um, I thought it was interesting, and we, we mentioned this a little bit um, before. Kind of uh, QB eleven brought up that hurts to a comparison. Um, and to, to the Brown and Thompson situation. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really interesting, um, as I said on the last podcast. And since then, I actually was was just watching this thing on Saban. And I pulled a clip from it and put it on Twitter um, about him, talk about Saban talking about that hurts to a QB room. Um, I think there's a chance that, you know, we find that, we find Oregon get to that point at at some time in the season mm-hmm. uh, and Saban described it really well. If for those who don't remember what happened there was, was Hertz led them for a full season was really good, led them for most of another season and was still pretty good. Um, but ultimately they, they end up going to this national title game against Georgia and Georgia's front seven, as they always are, is absolutely ridiculously talented. Uh, and, <laughs> completely shuts down Bama's offense in the first half. And Saban was just saying, you know, he realized that, or at halftime, he just kind of, after reflecting on it for the full season and working to get to a reps that whole time and to a growing a ton as a quarterback during that time, because that's something people can't forget for the start Ty Thompson day one crowd is takes a long time to grow as a quarterback. You have to get reps, but ultimately Saban got in that moment and they had to play Tua. he felt like because they had a lot of good skill players that weren't getting involved and they were going to have to pass the ball against a good front seven to win the game. I don't know if a team on Oregon's schedule presents that threat threat in terms of a front seven. In fact, I don't think one does, but that might be something that Oregon needs to be ready to do at some point particularly if they do find themselves in a playoff, because that is very comparable to where we're at right now. Anthony Brown, the biggest thing that he's amazing at is he doesn't turn the ball over ever. And even though he had kind of a meh game in terms of reads last week, he's been pretty lights out in terms of his uh, RPO reads during this season. The issue, the big issue is his deep ball accuracy and his ability to hit receivers and stride on crossing routes. Um, And And over the the shoulder. Yeah. Yeah. Right. 
And Ty Thompson's the guy who's going to, who, who doesn't miss those throws as often. Just, he's just a natural in terms of his ability to place balls. Um, I mean, he worked very hard at it too, obviously, but he, he's just a better quarterback in terms of his arm talent. Um, so there could be a time when they need to use that kind of X factor to open up this offense. But I would just put it in that term rather than Ty Thompson's just a better quarterback. We need to use him now because he's not going to – I mean, there was a reason we didn't start him first Ohio mm-hmm. State. He would not have given us a better chance to win that game. He would have probably turned the ball over. Um, I mean, just based on how freshman quarterbacks look, he probably would have had one or two of those, and he mm-hmm. probably would have missed a ton of reads. And we probably would have got – you know, beat by the spread, two touchdowns or more. Um, even if he did hit, you know, Devin Williams once deep for, for 40 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think there's a chance Brown could improve deep accuracy. He, he wasn't as bad as people think he was at Boston College in terms of deep accuracy. Um, but we just haven't seen it yet. We literally haven't seen him hit a deep ball at all. Um, and Hith said, interestingly, he said, you know, I think maybe once he hits one, the floodgates could open and he could kind of get over it and, and just start hitting a bunch of them. And maybe that happens and this Oregon offense opens up, but I will say the quarterback, people are correct for having attention on the quarterback right now. And there are valid questions about whether we can compete at the highest level of this sport with Anthony Brown as quarterback. But yeah, that's def- where the that that's where the questions belong, not not about whether he should start against Stanford. Yeah, again, I think if we're talking about um, our expectations uh, rather than our hopes, then Brown is the guy for this season. He gives us the best chance to win each individual game at at this mm-hmm. point. Um, and if he didn't, then Mario wouldn't be playing him. So, yeah. Yeah. True. <laughs> okay. Um, you want to run down this, this Pac-12 slate, make some picks? Yeah, let's do it. All right. Uh, we got an early game on Saturday. All these games are on Saturday. By the way, there's only five this week. Um, I believe it's Utah and Arizona. Both have a, the earliest bye week. So uh, just mm-hmm. something to keep in mind. USC visits Colorado at 11 a.m. This one's on Pac-12 Networks. This is a very, very interesting matchup. Um, USC favored by just a touchdown. Uh, by the way, there's no double-digit spreads this week in all of the Pac-12 games. Uh, so, it, I mean, what if you want to – Yeah, it's, it's just beautiful, man. It's the Conference of Champions. <laughs> Can Colorado score enough points to, to cover no. this spread? No. <laughs> I, I take it you're taking USC? <laughs> I'm taking USC. And I also, the over-under is 51. Mm. I might throw the house on that one. I mean, I literally <laughs> won't, but like, I don't know. I I might do I it mean, in your honor. Because, yeah, that, I mean, like if Colorado is covering, there's no way in hell they are getting to, this game is getting to 51 points. Um, and... I mean, USC has obviously offensive problems of their own. They couldn't move the ball. Well, I mean, they they got blown out by Oregon State at home. So, I mean, how is the implied scoreline for this like 
22 to 29. Like, yeah, I, I'm not, I'm not Col- feeling it at all. I agree. I'm not, I'm not getting 22 points from Colorado. I don't think, uh, not with how, not with how they've looked. Yeah, man. I think we're both taking USC then uh, <laughs> to, to cover that, that touchdown in Folsom. Um, obviously the Oregon game is the next on the chronological slate, uh, 1230 Pacific on ABC. So that's nice. We get a nice uh, national spotlight. Hopefully we can use it well. Um, we already talked about that one again. That's the biggest, that's actually the biggest spread of the entire week in the PAC 12 is eight and a half. So, or eight, depending on where you're looking. Um, yeah. Two thirty Pacific. Uh, Wazoo visits Cal. Another interesting one. These are all interesting because again, it's the Pac-12, and anything can happen any week. Um, this one's in Berkeley. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Cal are seven and a half point favorites at home in this game. What are you feeling? Um, I don't really know. This is a weird game. I. I guess I'm going Cal. I guess Cal hasn't – I guess Cal's not as bad as I've kind of said they are. Um, really? Yeah. They well, lost to UW last week, bro. Yeah, but in, in overtime, you know. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't think Washington's like that horrible. Uh, so, I, And then uh, the Sacramento – State game was closer than it should be, but they played TCU close. TCU's uh, their defense wasn't great, but they lost Nevada. I don't know. I don't like either. I mean, there's no way I'd bet these teams in real life, but <laughs> I guess I'll go Cal. These are two one and three teams. Um, I don't know, man. I. I think Wazoo can cover this. I, I just have a feeling it's going to be a close game coming down to it. Uh, so even if I don't have a lot of confidence in Wazoo to win this game, I, I think they'll cover the seven and a half. Yeah. I, you know, like going into it, my feel was Wazoo, but I just looked at their, what they've actually done. And I just feel like Cal's. Yeah. Like Wazoo is, looks pretty bad. Looks pretty bad, know. but I mean, on the same side, like they were so close these... to going up twenty-one nothing on USC, but now I think USC is just pretty bad. Both these teams only have one win, and both those wins are over FCS opponents, Portland State and Sac State, respectively. So, yeah, not great. Yeah. Um, and I mean, Wazoo hasn't been getting blown out. I don't think. What was the score right. on that Utah game last week? I don't. Twenty-four thirteen. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. But Utah is also like pretty bad. <laughs> yeah, every back to <laughs> pretty bad. <laughs> One big three. No, Oregon State's good, man. Okay, okay, we'll see. Speaking um, of Oregon State, um, okay, I have a different line on this than you do. Really? What? What's yours? I'm just looking on. I just have it pulled up in the ESPN app, and it's Beeves minus two and a half. That's why I said whoa because I thought it opened at Washington minus four. Um, that might be a mislisting from from. You know what ESPN though, because that's pretty. What? No, you know what? I was looking at the wrong column. Um, this opened at Washington minus three and has moved to Oregon State minus two and a half. So you're yeah. right on that. 
You're right. That's wild. That's a big move, man. Yeah, that's that's a huge swing. I mean, especially because I don't think – has Washington had any big injury news since last week? Or is that just consensus moving stuff around? I think that's just – I think that's just consensus. I don't think that's a – yeah, I don't good think on, that's good based on, you, on injury injury Look angle. at you getting some get some love from the public, hopefully. I know. Um, and actually forcing Vegas to move the line, too. Right? Like, By six is, like, a lot. I wonder if they thought, like, like the public would just be on Washington just because of, like, just because of, like, logos. I mean, maybe. But, I mean, I feel like most people knew – they lost to uh, Montana. At least I did. <laughs> Circles I run in. I mean, I was mentioning it to everyone for a good two weeks. So everyone I knew. <laughs> um, dude, I have a hard time staying away from the beeves in this one. Uh, even though the line moved and I would have loved them to get it plus, loved to get them at plus three. And I was certainly going to pick OSU at plus three. I think I'm going to still stick with them uh, at two and a half on the other side of it oh yeah i'm rocking with the beefs man let's go let's go um last week you picked UW, by the way do you remember that oh i did yeah yeah, yeah you did um i have a hard time seeing that happening again arizona state at ucla this is probably the i mean in terms of oh oh wait wait, wait. also last week though uh i looked up the uh advanced box score and and cal actually like has the like i think they're at 70 or something or in the 60s oh really yeah to win that so it said they should have won that game i mean it's one stat but yeah yeah it's pretty good stat though it is um yeah asu ucla in terms of pure competition this is probably the game of the week other than the oregon one um Mm -hmm. But if you're looking for, hopefully, if you're looking for a closer game, like knock on wood, then uh, ASU at UCLA should do it. Uh, by the way, I forgot to mention, but uh, the Oregon State-Washington game is at 6, and then ASU-UCLA at 7.30. Uh, Beavs are on Pac-12 Network. This, this game we're doing now is on FS1 at 7.30. Um, this game is in the Rose Bowl. Uh, UCLA are coming off a win against Stanford, which as we, you know, we kind of touched on it earlier, but they, that game was tied in the fourth quarter at one point before UCLA pulled away Arizona state coming off a cover and a win against Colorado, uh, which sorry to bash you again, but you picked Colorado last week to cover. You remember that? Um, it was the ramen noodle, man. Yeah, dude. It got me too. Cause I, I did it outside of the podcast. <laughs> <laughs> which is actually a worse decision. But, um, yeah, man, who, who you got in this one? Spreads three and a half to um, UCLA at home. I, yeah, I, I want to think that's how it turns out. I'll take UCLA. I think ASU, ultimately, even though they're not bad, I just think they probably shoot themselves in the foot in the end. But these are two pretty similar resumes. I mean – Arizona State doesn't have the good wins or somewhat good wins against LSU and Stanford that UCLA has, but both their losses against BYU and Fresno State teams that are somewhat comparable. But I overall just think UCLA is a better team and a better coach team. Yeah, I I think that's definitely fair to say. Um, 
So shoot, man, we got all the same picks this week except for Wazoo and Cal. So uh, if you need an excuse to watch that game, um, I don't know. Maybe, maybe this is enough to move the needle for you. Probably not, but you know. Uh, I probably won't be watching it, honestly. Especially yeah. considering the other games that are going on this week. Um, Friday night, we got a pretty important one. Uh, I oh, think yeah. this is kind of a sleeper game. Well, maybe not. I, I haven't really mm. caught up on my college football coverage for this week yet. But Iowa at Maryland, um, that is a five next to Iowa's name. They are still the number five team in the country. This one's on FS1 at five o'clock. Again, this is on Friday. Um, let me let me find this spread real quick just because I'm curious. I've got Iowa three and a half. Yeah, I'm seeing the same thing. So I don't know, man. I three and a half is very low for this game. Opened at four and a half. Haven't I'm gonna have a hard time staying off Maryland on this one, man. I mean it's it's juice to Iowa at three and a half, but still like Maryland's good. I I think they're good. I mean they're four and zero, baby. Yeah, that, <laughs> and they, they did got, beat they Illinois. They did beat Illinois by three, but so. <laughs> well, Illinois. I don't know. Illinois man. is pretty bad. I think we had Iowa on fraud watch. Did we not? Or we will? Yeah. I guess. No, I I have I have Iowa on fraud watch, and I still think that they. I yes, I I'm definitely pulling for Maryland, and I definitely think it's a possibility. Um, Mm-hmm. yeah we'll yeah. see we'll yeah, see I, I like it i'm definitely I, gonna watch it that's a oh i'm definitely gonna watch it i think it's very real possibility i just think three and a half is such a small number also yeah if that one's a snoozer on friday night you also got byu at utah state starting an hour later um yeah at the very least we have a rooting interest in it you know uh go aggies baby knock byu off of whatever pedestal they seem to be on. I don't think they're a playoff contender by any means, but um, actually, yeah. you know what? Maybe it's good for BYU to be good now that I think about it. Since yeah. they played so many Pac-12 opponents, but yeah, whatever. Wow. Uh, that one's on CBS Sports. Okay, let's move into Saturday. This is going to be a fantastic Saturday, man. Oh, um, man, I'm so excited. Hope you got multiple screens ready for use for this one because – and I, I also hope that you're ready for mimosas and football round two because we have a very, very important 9 a.m. game. Number eight. A couple of them. Really? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. Number eight, Arkansas at number two, Georgia. Game day is going to be at this one. Um, it's going to be awesome, man. Uh, ESPN game, again, 9 a.m., mimosas and football. So does this mean they'll do, like, game day in the stadium? Where they just yeah, throw it to they the usually kickoff. do. They usually do. Interesting. I'm excited to watch uh, a full Sanford go crazy. I wonder Arkansas if Kirk, a good team, man. I wonder if Kirk's calling this. Yeah, I don't know how that works. Actually, he I think must usually be. no. Usually they still. I think they still usually fly him out to the late game. I don't know. Maybe they'll just have him leave early and, and run up to the booth or something like that. Well, we know well, he Fowler isn't going too, to the Oregon right? game. Yeah, God, we got Ron no, Gilmore. Fa- on Fowler doesn't do game day anymore. Uh, Reese Davis does. Oh, Jesus. Well, that shows you how much game day I've been watching this year. I um, mean, they're very similar people in some ways. 
<laughs> not totally, but they play a very similar role and and don't display that much personality when they're on game day. That's a good um, point. Yeah. What do you What do you think about this game, man? Is this a losable game for Georgia, or is this just, I mean, just another mid tier opponent trying to step up to the plate? Another uh, meaning the other one was Clemson. I just don't like if Georgia was playing Ole Ole Miss. I would. I wish that the a big SEC games were switched almost because yeah, I think yeah. that they each of the underdogs pl- kind of play into the favorite style play a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, Arkansas, the whole story last week versus A&M was like, oh, we're going to be able to establish the ball on the ground. No, no, you won't be able to establish the run game. Yes, we will. And then they did. They're not going to be able to against Georgia. Uh, yeah. At least I'd be very surprised if they were. Um, and Georgia has looked damn impressive, uh, obviously. It's a crazy spread. Yeah, 18 and, and a half, half is a crazy <laughs> spread. Uh, that said, I'm not rushing to bet Arkansas either. Um, <laughs> but it's just crazy that that's what it is. But um, I'll, yeah. I'll, yeah. We don't have to pick it. Yeah. I, I wasn't yeah. going to pick it. I think Arkansas can maybe keep it close, though, if I had to. But I, I don't think they're going to win, probably. Y'all should listen to um, – if you want more national stuff, I mean, first off, listen to this podcast. But if you have more time, obviously we plug late kick all the time. And, and Josh Pate's great. Uh, but also uh, college football nerds. I don't know if you listen to them. They're really good, though. I did try it out, YouTube yeah, because – because Pate uh, recommended it. I, I listened yeah. to one episode of them. It's a little long for me. It's like well over two hours usually. But yeah, um, but yeah they, they do pretty good stuff. I was impressed with their uh, recap of Oregon and Ohio State. Yeah, they're really, they're good, really good national guys uh, if you want a little more of that. So I'd, I'd really recommend both those. I also split zone do predictions. Yeah, 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 that's true. I, I like I like split zone. Sometimes they don't talk enough about actual football, though. Oh, I don't know. I love that stuff. I love like when Godfrey <laughs> gets deep into like housing markets. Um, yeah, no, I I, I I like that. I like that stuff in the off season. But sometimes, like I'm coming to them like for reaction and and stuff, and they're just like talking about I don't know. It, it's, yeah, yeah. I like them. I, I mean, I still listen. I listen to a lot of podcasts and I still listen to them. So they're like, they might be my number one, like must listen um, in terms wow. of college football, national pods right now. Uh, when it drops, I'm just excited for it every time. And they also cover like everything from top to bottom. Like I've learned more about Georgia Southern in the last week than I have uh, in my entire life. Um, which by the way, dude, did you see that video, the Georgia Southern player, like on the bus? Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. He was standing on top of the bus, crushing a beer and got in trouble for it. Um, okay. Let, anyways. Let's, let's keep moving through this slate. Um, Michigan, Wisconsin. Wisconsin is favored here by one. Really? Wow. Yeah. wow. Really interesting spot. Um, if you didn't get a chance to watch Wisconsin, Notre Dame, uh, I, I put it the best I know how. Wisconsin was controlling that game well until – uh, Graham Mertz just unloaded a, a Uzi into the Wisconsin Badgers foot and proceeded to throw away the game. 
with two pick sixes, as well as a bunch of other horrible plays. Just one Took of the worst the quarterbacks in, in the country. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, man. He's had a real rough go of things this year. It's not been yeah. great. Another, um, But still, they're favored to beat Michigan. So, yeah, no, that, that's a that one second screen game. Exactly. That's a must-have second screen. Um, I would also, if you have a third one available, throw on Texas at TCU. Uh, that'll be interesting. That's the ABC yeah. game. Uh, Michigan-Wisconsin's on Big Fox. Big noon kickoff, I'm assuming. Um, I, I think people are way low on Texas, by the way. I yeah, man. I think they, they're top 20. You can't, you can't drop 70 on somebody without being a good team. Um, and I'm not like – it's not like Texas Tech is, you know, a, a New Year's Six team or anything like that, but it's not like that was a big game or anything. Um, but, I mean, they're a competent opponent at the very least, uh, and Texas did, again, drop 70 on them. So that'll be interesting. Um, maybe if none of those pan out, like Tennessee at Missouri might be interesting. I, I know that's probably not for most people what, what you want to see, but – I don't know. I'm I'm real into this SEC stuff. Yeah, your SEC file. Oh please, please. Better than, a, um, better than an SEC phobe. <laughs> uh, true, I guess. Okay. Um, Midday slot. Cincy, Cincy, yeah. Notre Dame. Oh yeah, love this top At ten matchups. Sandwich in between. Yeah, this is another weird one. I don't know what to think about this game. Two and a half point spread. It's a great opportunity for the Ducks to knock out one of the two uh, non-Power 5 playoff contenders. And just going to be fun to see what happens. I think we – I have both these teams kind of flirting with top 10, and I've kind of decided, like, whoever wins gets it, whoever loses drops. And yeah, we'll see. I think that's safe to say. Uh, this is another spread that's flipped, by the way. Opened at, opened at Notre Dame by a field goal, and it's moved to Cincinnati by one and a half or two. So huh. really, really interesting. Yeah. I'm, I'm definitely going to throw that one on um, alongside the Oregon game. Once it starts an hour right. later, um, as well as alongside a few other games. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. One of them being Ole Miss at Alabama. Uh, this is the late kick game of the week. Pate's going yep. to this one. Three uh, 30 or sorry, 1230 on CBS because we use Pacific time here. Um, Ole Miss is good, man. I mean, this might be Alabama's biggest chance to drop a regular season game uh, yeah. for, the, for the rest of the year. Yeah. So if you're not tuned into this one on the second screen, you're doing yourself a disservice. Um, again, that starts the same time as the Oregon game. If you got a third screen, I mean, maybe Oklahoma, Kansas State, I think is a good one. Obviously, Oklahoma historically struggles against Kansas State in recent years, um, and Rattler especially. So we'll see how that one pans out. Um, I don't know. I think that Bama-Ole Miss game is really, really interesting because Ole Miss also is coming off a bye. Um, Mm -hmm. And so that gives Kiffin some extra time to script up some stuff. And potentially, you know, that that could mean that Ole Miss gets – gets a touchdown or two early if they have some really good stuff that they come out with and they execute it well. Um, and that obviously adds to the potential of this game being competitive. Um, Ole Miss can score 40 on Bama. Uh, mm-hmm. And you don't say that a lot of times, um, but Ole Miss can do it. 
yeah, they can legitimately score on any team, it seems like. So, again, yeah. we'll see, but uh, that's what it's looking like right now. Big Heisman, very well. big Heisman matchup if you care about that sort of stuff, too. Ooh, probably true. the two yeah, biggest. Yeah. yeah, if you're looking for pure entertainment, you gotta got to have this one on. Um, I'm really hoping Oregon wins convincingly more than anything so that I can uh, – well, not more than anything, but – in part so that I can direct my attention to these other good games partially. Yeah, that's true. Um, Depending on how Arkansas pans out, this is probably for the SEC West title effectively. Um, And you don't say that very often in week five. So pretty interesting stuff there. Yeah, at least for the, at least for the inside track on it. I mean, Ole Miss could still drop two games, but Somewhere else, yeah. I think, you know, in in some world, I think if Bama wins, they pretty much boxed Ole Miss out of that uh, SEC title, SEC West title race. But yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, did you did you say Oklahoma Kansas State already? Yes, yeah, that that's and, gotta and, be. And Pate has K State on their ramen noodle. Really? Yeah. Wait, I might have already like bet that. Not even gonna lie. I don't know, man. It's been a late. It's been a a late night week this week. Oh, I got yeah. Kent State. I don't know if he had, did he add Kansas State recently. I'll have to check that out. Yeah, I think he added it today. Um, elsewhere, I think one thing I kind of like about this schedule is that there's a lot of good early stuff, and then the later stuff I can kind of like watch, but also I don't know. It's not quite as consequential, and it's been a lot of late nights, Saturday nights completely occupied by college football which i love but i'm excited to have a little time to do something yeah Um, yeah if you get dragged out of the house there's worse things that could be happening or worse things you could be better things you could be missing i guess is how i should put it um right but like florida at kentucky at three o'clock is a good one uh that can get real interesting that's on espn um baylor oklahoma state both uh, undefeated Yep, both ranked, uh, 21-19 respectively. That's at 4 o'clock. Uh, let's see. You got Indiana-Penn State could get interesting. Indiana-Penn State still could Boston College at Clemson. Remember, Boston College is still undefeated so far this year. Do you uh, see the spread on that one? Or sorry, Boston. Wait, I... No, I did not. What is it? What, what do you think it would be? Um, this one's at Clemson. Oh, dude, like uh 10 it's 15 and a half wow i'm surprised i really like boston college at that number we'll see but i I mean especially clemson without brzee i don't know what skalski's status is um and shipley's should be still out i just don't think they're a very good football team and i think boston college is all right yeah i mean i was gonna say like bc i was kind of half joking they are four and zero, but when I mentioned that, it's like three of their wins are over Colgate, UMass, and Temple. Um, yeah. They did get a big win over Mizzou last week. I believe that one was in overtime. Uh, yeah. So that's cool for and, them. But yeah, that indicates like kind of a, a above average ACC team, which is also kind of what Clemson is right now. I mean, Boston College, Mizzou tells you everything you need to know about where the ACC and SEC stack up in comparison to one another. <laughs> Moving on, <laughs> um, 
like Northwestern at Nebraska. If you hate yourself, that that's a funny one. Uh, 4.30 on the Big Ten Network. Just throw Auburn that LSU. Auburn LSU. That'll be good. Um, that one's at 6 o'clock. Uh, another earlier one that could get dicey, you might have mentioned this, but Indiana Penn State um, yeah. at 4.30. That's ABC. Um, yep. And then so Arizona you, UCLA we'd mentioned earlier, but that's late too. Yep, yep. Um, if you're a sicko, Fresno State at Hawaii uh, is on at 8 p.m. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, man. Um, a lot of good games this week. I'm really excited for this college football weekend. Uh, me too, me too. Hopefully Ducks can make it through because then next weekend's really good too. We'll save that for, for next podcast. But Yeah, and next, next weekend we, really won't have to, we won't have to stress about our result. Or exactly. Like pay attention to our, you know, if if there's a relatively bad game that involves Oregon going on, I mean, you won't have, well, there won't be, so you don't have to worry about it, is what I'm saying. Yeah. And even the week after that, it's a Friday game, so it's another Saturday after that that Oregon fans won't True. have to True. stress. Yeah, man. Um, real quick, before we do our outros, uh, if you had to guess right now, mm. who is Oregon playing in the Pac 12 South title? He's still going to UCLA? Mm, 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 mm. Assuming uh, that's should be knocking on wood, like assuming we make it there. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's not going to be Utah. It's not going to be USC. It's not going to be Colorado. Um, like, could this be not going to be Arizona? Week? It's I mean, either UCLA or Arizona State. Which leads yeah, me to so, think the winner of this game this weekend will will be the Pac-12 South champ, or at least expected to be. Yeah. What's wh- Who does Arizona State draw from the other side again? Stanford. That's the big thing. I... Stanford at home, Wazoo at home, UW on the road, Oregon State on the road. Mm. And unlike other conferences, the Pac-12, uh, like your division record doesn't come first. It's your conference record. Yeah. Yeah, I, I guess this is probably Ford, and in that respect, I guess. Oh, you cut out. Oh, I, I guess this is for the for the South, probably, and in that respect, since I chose UCLA, I'll take UCLA to win the South. All right. All right. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> I just wanted to get your thoughts on it, because I, I didn't know how high your stock was on UCLA, and like from what looked like a four and maybe almost five horse race uh, like two weeks into the season has suddenly become like a very quickly a two horse race. I think UCLA has a pretty, should have a pretty good uh, spread over everyone except Oregon on their schedule after this Arizona state game. Mm. Yeah. I think so. Utah on the road. I mean, Utah. Maybe... Yeah. I mean, if Utah gets it back going, but again, as I've said, Utah is not that good of a team right now. They're not, and I guess they can't do much perception changing if they win at USC, uh, which is their one game before that UCLA game. So, um, no, but that's yeah, not man. True. What? That's, that's not, not true. true. No, they have USC, then Arizona State, and then at Oregon State before. Oh, I was – you know what? I was looking at Arizona State. That's uh, my bad. Um, 
Okay, well, so they do have a lot of perception changing to do. Um, you got anything else? Should we get out of here? No, I think we hit it. We should get out of here. All right, man. Uh, thank you guys as always for listening to this. We really appreciate it. Uh, we're just two college students doing this for fun. Um, rate us five stars on Apple, please. And thanks. Uh, if you don't think we're five stars, then tell us what we need to change. And uh, then you can rate us five stars later. <laughs> um, Reed, what do you got? What do you got coming out this week? on scoop duck uh i have my interview with devin jackson should be posting uh who's committing on saturday that's a big thing to watch uh i'm gonna do a recruiting comparison uh for stanford i'm gonna do an interview with javon javon's uh johnson a quarterback in 2023 uh and we'll see what else i get into but that's what i have right now what what do you have on the docket that sounds nice. Uh, I got an interview. I interviewed a couple different people for a ticketing piece. I've been talking about ticketing a whole lot in the last few weeks. So I now have an article that I could just, you know, shove out to people anyways, or instead, I mean. Um, so look for that. If you're going to the game, it's the physical copies of the Daily Emerald that you see people handing out. Um, go check those out. It's not just me. There's a lot of great writers in there that we all, we're all Oregon students and we all work really hard to do that. So go check that out. Um, man, you, uh, you, you promised the people you were going to give them the breakdown on, on the Jerry Allen. Right, right, right. Okay. 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 So here's the thing, right. In the past, they used to like advertise that like, Oh, we got the radio synced up with the audio and all that. Um, these days, I'm, I'm very quickly searching to see if Oregon is on the varsity sports network, because I know they do um, broadcasts like they, they project local broadcasts to uh, um, radio broadcasts to national people. So like I could watch, I can listen to the Georgia radio broadcast, for instance, um, while I'm in Oregon. Um in the past, they've been on um, TuneIn Sports. Uh, I don't know if they're there right now. Um, I believe you can watch it through, or I believe you can listen to it through just the, the GoDucks website, actually, like on GoDucks.com. Um, mm. I also totally forgot I was going to talk about this. So I obviously yeah, I'm not I, very prepared for it, but I got to say, man, this is an underwhelming breakdown. Oh, you kind of oversold. Um, yeah, it's all right though. Whatever. Um, I think you should, I mean, okay, here's the deal. This will be easier to do for college students than it will for people with actual like setups and stereos and stuff like that, because all y'all just rely on cable and like your uh apple tv or roku or whatever to watch stuff whereas people in my shoes we got to grind sometimes you know we got to get creative we're we're plugging the laptop in uh to the hdmi dongle to the tv um and you know that's how you got to stream games sometimes so if you're familiar with what that last sentence means then you should already know how to do this assuming you can find the radio broadcast which you should be able to do somewhere on the internet i'm still currently looking for it and i will tweet out how about this i will tweet out this information when i figure it out 
you know what? I already was right about this. It is on TuneIn Radio. It's also on the Godux app on your phone. So you can do that. Um, and it's also on the, the TuneIn app if you already have that on your phone. So there you go. There, there's your solution. Um, and the, this is important to note because if you just use the traditional radio and you just have traditional TV, you might not be able to pause one or the other. Um, it's likely that the radio broadcast will be slightly ahead of the TV broadcast. In my experience, this has been the case. Um, so just keep that in mind. Um, you might have to pause the radio broadcast for a few seconds to make sure it's exactly caught up with the TV one. Um, but as soon as it's, you know, set right, then you're fine and you don't have to worry about it. Uh, I've also done this in the past for Blazer games, and it is a really nice experience, actually. I know Jerry Allen's fallen off in recent years, but it's still worth it if you don't want to listen to Rod Gilmore. So, and obviously I didn't listen to Rod Gilmore last week because I was in the stadium, but um, I heard it was pretty bad. And then I saw like the tweet about the whole Mario thing and it was just, oh boy. Yeah. really we're doing this now so yeah no you know what okay i was wrong about tune in varsity and the varsity network <laughs> app has it I, because there's this fine print i'm reading the fine print while i'm talking you guys like you're welcome uh it says while tune in requires a premium subscription to listen fans can listen for free via the varsity network app and there's a link to download um i will Put this link out on Twitter like as we speak so you guys will know what I'm talking about um there boom it's out in the world okay boom good show we're done with it I'm done talking and go ducks go ducks